Welcome to the EA Podcast. Eric Allen here, joined by Bucky Brooks, who's an NFL media analyst. You can follow Bucky on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. And he's also the host of Move the Sticks podcast, along with Daniel Jeremiah. That's available on NFL.com, NFL Now, iTunes, and YouTube. Bucky, thanks so much for joining us. The first thing I want to ask you is, if I would have told you in March the New York Jets would be 9-5 and five with two games remaining, what would you have told me? Uh, I would think that would be a, a, a pretty fair uh, estimate or evaluation. Based on the talent that you had um, on the Jets' defensive side of the ball, I think you definitely could see them making a playoff run with the defense leading the way. I think the biggest surprise is how well the offense has played of late with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker emerging as one of the top wide receiver duos in the league. You played receiver in this league. Why do Marshall and Decker work so well together as a tandem? They are nice compliments to one another. Um, I think when you're building a wide receiver core, you want to have different pieces of the puzzle, but it all comes together to make a perfect picture. And when I look at the Jets, particularly Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, those guys are placed in roles that are very comfortable to their skill sets. And Brandon Marshall, you have a classic number one receiver, a guy that can deal with double teams. He's effective as a big-body playmaker down the boundary, but also has the ability to be a factor in the red zone. Doesn't mind doing the dirty work working inside. So he is a nice number one receiver. And Eric Decker, you're finally getting him back in the number two role, the complimentary player on the backside of a dominant number one, a guy who's effective working between the hashes, but is also a special talent down in the red zone. And so when you have two big-body guys, because remember, both of these guys are over 6'3", they are weapons in the red zone, and it really makes it hard for the defense to key in on where the ball is going when you get inside the 10. And I think because Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't necessarily uh, feel the need to be tied to one of those guys in the red zone, it really makes the Jets' offense more effective because they can be balanced. They can pick and choose who to go to based on the matchup and the situation. The Jets have definitely excelled in the red zone throughout the entire 2015 season. Uh, how impressed have you been by Fitzpatrick, the way he's gotten acclimated to his weapons so quickly? Because he did get traded here in March. His 11th season, sixth NFL team. And Bucky, he's got 26 touchdown passes, and he's only four shy of setting the franchise record here. Yeah, I think it's a testament to not only Fitzpatrick being able to be um, a quick study, but it's also a testament to Chan Gailey and what he's been able to do with that offense. A lot of times when you have acquisition, be it the draft or free agency, it's about how do you get that player to fit into your scheme. Well, Chan Gailey has some familiarity, obviously, with Fitzpatrick from their time together in Buffalo. What he's been able to do is build upon what Fitzpatrick does really, really well, which is why you're seeing a lot of empty formations, a lot of spread looks, designed to clear the picture for the quarterback and really it puts the onus on the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quickly and to target the ideal matchup. They're living in that uh, 10 personnel package, one back, four wide receivers, and spreading the field. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is thriving. I think you have to tip your hat off to Chan Gailey for recognizing very early in the year that that is Fitzpatrick's comfort zone and allowing him to play in his sweet spot throughout the season. Has Fitz got better in the pocket, you think, than you've seen him throughout his career? The, the book on him always was that he gets the ball out quickly, but 
what I've noticed over watching him these 14 games is that he's got a great feel when that rush is coming and when to step up and deliver. You know, you look back at the Dallas game on Saturday night, that throw to Quincy Inunua when the Jets converted on a third and long. Fitz knew where the rush was coming from, and just at the last second it seems like he can step up and fire. Yeah, long-time player, veteran. He's seen a lot. He's been in a lot of situations, understand um, how to play the game from the pocket. And playing in the pocket is more of a feel than a, a visual thing. Like, he feels the pressure around him. He understands where the lanes are. He also understands why the sight lines are. And part of the reason you're Chan Galen, you like to open it up, is because Fitz operates better when he can clearly see where the pressure is coming from and how to counteract that pressure. And so I think what you're getting is an offensive uh, play caller, a play designer that understands exactly what his quarterback is comfortable doing, and he puts him in a situation that accentuates his strengths and allows him to play the game very, very quickly from the pocket. What do you think these wins, the past uh, two comebacks, specifically the Giants game and then most recently against Dallas, even though they weren't down in the fourth quarter, what does that do, uh, not down by a lot in the fourth quarter, what does that do for a team's confidence coming back late in games? Uh, whenever you can win a game when you haven't played at your best, you feel confident because ultimately it's about finding a way to win. I know Ty Bowles has preached that uh, countless times throughout the offseason and during the year. Let's win games. Let's find a way to win. There's no such thing as an ugly win. Even though things haven't gone according to plan the last couple of weeks, they found a way to get it done. And ultimately, you want to put enough wins in the win ledger to put you over the mark to go to the playoffs. That's what they've done. They'll need a better effort to close out the finish the way that they want to. But I think it's easier to go in there and to correct those things when you've won games as opposed to when you've lost. Bucky, what stands out to you? what the Jets are doing defensively, and especially on third down because they continue to come up uh, with different looks. And you're speaking about Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers. Seems like they go to the lab each week and they're throwing quarterbacks different, uh, different things on third down and continue to get off the field. Yeah, you have to tip your head to uh, Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers for what they've been able to come up with from a scheme plan. This is a team that they aggressively come after the quarterback. They bring pressure from every angle. They put a lot of pressure on their DBs to hold up. And because of that, you'll see Antonio Cromartie and Darrell Reeves give up a play because they love naked a lot in coverage. But by putting so much pressure on the quarterback, you're seeing the ball come out hurried. Uh, sometimes it's errant, it's tipped, it's deflected. Those ultimately lead to interceptions. And so when you think about it, I want to say they had four turnovers against the Cowboys, maybe four interceptions. A lot of that came from pressure, being in the face of the quarterback, forcing him off of his spot, forcing him to throw from uncomfortable platforms. When your DBs are in the right position, they can make plays. The pressure and the coverage works together. You're going to have a lot of success in key situations, and third down is one of the biggest situations that defensive coaches focus on. What do you think about the play of Damon Snacks Harrison playing the nose tackle? He continually has stood out on the NFL's number one rush defense throughout the year, and even though that McFadden got free for over 100 the other night, I thought Harrison was phenomenal. I mean, he's a dominant player. Anytime you can control the middle, I was taught a long time ago, from defensive coordinators that when you build your defense, you want to build it strong right down the middle. Uh, your defensive tackles, your mic, linebackers, your safeties, they need to be dominant players, force everything to run to the boundaries. And snacks, you have a guy that can control the middle of the field. It, can, it, it forces opponents to put 
two blockers on him, that allows your linebackers to run and chase unobstructed to the ball. And so when you see him able to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage to create penetration and force running backs to pitter-pat, stop their feet, it allows the rest of the defense to kind of build a wall around them. That's what we're seeing from the Jets' run defense. Look, Todd Bowles is emphasizing stop the run on early downs, put them in long yardage on second and third downs. You'll have a tremendous amount of success because now you're forcing the team to play one-dimensional. Snacks is a big part of that one-dimensional effect because he can stop the run by himself and allows others to feast off his work. Bucky, easier said than done, but what's the blueprint for the Jets this weekend as they'll host the New England Patriots? You know, it's just really forcing Tom Brady to be uncomfortable. And if you can get to Tom Brady rushing four and, and being able to drop seven, that's your best bet. You want to mix in some pressure, but what you have to do, you have to get to him and you have to get hits on Tom Brady. Tom Brady's like any other quarterback. Once they get hit, they change. It quickens the clock in the head. The ball comes out uh, not as accurately as it normally does. So it's really important that they generate a rush. Sheldon Richardson has to be big. Muhammad Wilkerson, they have to be big up front. If they can win their one-on-one matchups and get into the backfield, they can disrupt the timing of the passing game. And then Darrell Reeves and Antonio Cromartie have to lock down those guys on the outside. And then you have to find a way to deal with Gronkowski because he's the ultimate mismatch. And the passing game. What about on the other side of the ball? I think this is one of the better Patriot defenses that we've seen over the past decade. Yeah, they have a young, intriguing defense. Chandler Jones, Rob Ninkovich, uh, Jabal Shear just playing well. Their front seven is probably one of the best ones they've had since their heyday when they won three out of four Super Bowls. You have to be able to protect those guys because I do think they're still vulnerable in the back end. Malcolm Butler has played great, but I still believe that he can be um, – got in, in a situation where he's matched up with an elite receiver and Brandon Marshall, however they elect to, to cobble those mismatches, you got to protect Fitzpatrick enough so you can allow him to get to those guys. Typically what the Patriots want to do is they're going to double-team your best guy and force you to find someone else to win. Eric Decker has to wear the big sombrero this week. He has to be the guy that wins his matchup because ultimately he could be the one facing one-on-one. If he wins, then the Jets have a lot of uh, big opportunity to have success in their passing game. How do you think this is going to play out over these final two weeks? The Jets are sitting here 9-5, Pittsburgh 9-5, Kansas City 9-5, and the Broncos are 10-4, albeit the leaders of the AFC West, but Kansas City's right at their heels. Yeah, Kansas City's right at their heels, and Denver's had, they have a tough schedule finishing out. Uh, they play Cincinnati on Monday night. That can be a tough game, particularly with Brock Osweiler starting even though A.J. McCarron is starting for the Bengals. The Broncos got to hold their water. I think with the other games, Pittsburgh, uh, Kansas City, Kansas City I think has the easiest road to get into the playoffs. You know, the Jets have their work cut off on them because they have to face the Patriots. they got to deal with the Patriots. I think they also have to deal with the Bills again, right, or not? Am I wrong? Yeah, the yeah, you're right. Last game? yeah, you're right. Uh, the Jets host <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah. And so when you think about those two games, like the Patriots are tough in itself, but then dealing with the Rex Ryan effect, even though they're out the playoffs, you know it's a personal game. And because they don't have anything to quote-unquote play for, they're going to throw caution into the wind. I think the Jets have to take care of business and hope that the Broncos go on a slide so they can backdoor into the playoffs because I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to find a way to get in. So I think the team that I'm looking for, if I'm the Jets, I'm looking at the Broncos to see if they can hold on. Yeah, and that would be fascinating. Just looking at their schedule, 
The Jets have the Patriots this weekend, and then they're at Buffalo to close the season. The Steelers, who had that 17-point comeback victory over the Broncos Sunday, finish at Baltimore, a team who struggled throughout the season, then at Cleveland, another divisional batter, battle. Kansas City's got Cleveland at home, and then they host Oakland Raiders. And then finally, like you mentioned, Bucky, Denver's got that tough matchup with Cincinnati, and then they host the San Diego Chargers in the final week of the season. So that Cincinnati-Denver uh, matchup out mile high this weekend could have a lot of playoff implications, obviously. Not only wild card impl implications, but um, seeding implications as far as that uh, one, two, and three spots in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big game, and it's a big game because uh, the Broncos have let some games kind of slip, and so they put themselves in a very vulnerable position. And with Cincinnati, I know a lot has been made of the backup quarterback and can they get it done with Andy Dalton. I've always been a huge fan of A.J. McCarron. I think he's actually a good fit. This offense reminds me of the offense that he played in in Alabama where he had a lot of weapons around him. He only has to act as the bus driver. And so with that defense playing, I think they can probably knock off Denver. And I think it makes it tough for Denver to get into the playoffs if they keep continuing to lose like they have. And that would be something because that would mean the Jets would be in a position to control their own destiny. But Todd Bowles, as you know, Bucky, he's got these guys focused on the Patriots. They've concentrated on the task at hand each and every week. That's not going to change this week. How impressed have you been by Bulls this year? You know, I've been impressed, but I've known Todd for a long time. When I was playing for the Green Bay Packers, he was an area scout. He was on the road. I always looked up to him uh, based on how he was able to go from scouting to coaching one of Morehouse with Doug Williams, continuing to kind of make his way up the ranks. The one thing that I knew about Todd is Todd was going to be ready for the job. He had great mentors. Joe Gibbs, Bill Parcell, some of the other guys that he worked for. He had the opportunity to act as an interim coach during his time in Miami. And everywhere that he has gone, he's commanded the respect of his players. And ultimately, the NFL is about getting players to buy into what the plan is, getting them to follow what you have, your vision for your program to be and hold them accountable. He has done that. And I think we have seen that even though he's not demonstrative on the sideline, we understand when we hear the Jets players talk, there's a level of accountability that he holds him to. So outside of being a great tactician and a schemer, he's an outstanding guy in terms of building those relationships. And ultimately, that is what gets you to go to the next level. I've been impressed with the job that he's done, and I think they've really put together a solid foundation to be a good team for a while. And speaking of the foundation, how about what Mike McKagan pulled off in March uh, by acquiring Brandon Marshall via trade, late-round pick, and then – coming back, well, mid-round pick, I should say, and then coming back the next day and landing Ryan Fitzpatrick for a late conditional pick and how big those guys have been for not only this offense but the entire team here in 2015. No, I mean, it's really understanding what you're bringing in and understanding the personalities that you're bringing into the room and also understanding the current state of the locker room that you have. I think with both situations, Ty Bowles and Mike McCabin, they understood what they were bringing to the locker room. Obviously, Ty Bowles knew Brandon Marshall from his time in Miami when uh, Bowles was the head coach. He had an opportunity to really get close and personal with Brandon, so he understood what made him tick. He understood how he would fit in that locker room and it would be a good dynamic. With Ryan Fitzpatrick being in Houston, Mike McCabin had a way to – he had the opportunity to watch him every day in practice, how he handled himself as a pro, and whether he could accept being – the starter or the backup, because remember, 
some really expect, or most of us expect, the kind of Geno to be in the mix, to be the starting quarterback. So you wanted to make sure you had a veteran that could play that role of the backup or also be the starter. Because he had that intimate knowledge, he knew that Fitzpatrick was the right guy for the job because he could thrive in either role. Now, last one here, Bucky. Ryan Fitzpatrick enters this week with 3,428 yards passing. Chris Ivory at 951 yards rushing, and Eric Decker at 930 yards receiving. With all that being said, and Marshall already on his way to 1,300 and beyond, it's conceivable that the Jets could finish with a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard uh, rusher, and two 1,000-yard receivers. That's something else. That is something else. I think that's something that no one necessarily expected because, obviously, when you have a defensive uh, minded guy, guy from a defensive background as your head coach, you expect a team that's kind of a ground and pound team, a team that really leans on the defense to do everything. But what I'm seeing from the Jets is a team that is a little more dynamic on offense than most expected. They spread the ball around, they throw it around the yard, but they also retain the physicality and toughness by leaning on the running game with Chris Ivory. And Ivory has been the right guy for the job because he's a grinder. Not necessarily flashy, but he gets it done. If he gets 1,000 yards with Fitzpatrick having 4,000 and 2,000 yard receivers, that offense is difficult to prepare for, and it really gives a lot of people problems, particularly if they're able to get their way into the playoffs. Well, Jets fans are hoping that is the case. This Jets team with two wins would get to 11-5, and five, and then we'll see what happens from there. But uh, big task ahead against the New England Patriots. Bucky Brooks, tremendous analysis. We'll be following you all over the place on all those NFL media platforms, and you can follow him at, at Bucky, uh, Bucky Brooks. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me on here.